Welcome to the Christ Walk Podcast. At Christ Walk Church, we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. Enjoy the message. So, so good to see your faces this morning. I am excited about today. And we are, um, this is uh, uh, actually the, the end of week two of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. We got one week left. And so for those of you that have been reading along with us on our, um, thank you guys so much for doing that. It has been an incredible time in the word and in prayer um, that I've experienced in my own life. And, and I've gotten uh, testimony from several different other people this week together praying and fasting and believing for God to continue to move. And so we, we just one week left, one week left. So let's finish out strong. Um, hey, if you got your Bible or familiar, the Bible is divided up into two large sections or portions of scripture. And the, the first big section of scripture is toward the front of our Bible. And, and uh, we call that the Old Testament. And the Testament, we refer to those as the gospels. That's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We call those the gospels because gospel means good news. And the reason those particular books are good news is because they tell the story of Jesus. And so today we're going to be in the very first gospel, Matthew chapter 23, and we've been calling Creature of Habit. And so that spooky guy behind me that's trying to push through the screen, that's the old man. That's the, the old way of life that we used to live before we stepped into a relationship with Christ who's constantly trying to rear his ugly head and, and drag us back into our old way of living. But we've been talking about over the past couple of weeks about how if we're going to be people that live our lives for lives. And, and don't, don't get me wrong, like, like Bible reading and, and prayer and fasting and a greater commitment to church attendance and serving and small groups and all of that stuff, like that is absolutely 100% integral to the life of a growing belief. What were things that we would do? And what we're most concerned about for this series is, is some inward beliefs and behaviors that we have going on inside of our hearts. And, and that if we'll get those things right, then that will position us to step into the fullness of a life that 2020 can be our best year yet. Is anybody with me? Anybody going to believe that over your life today, that 2020 is going to be my best year yet? And so all it takes is for us to lay the foundation, the groundwork right here in January so that we can build off the remainder of the year. And this whole series is Cup 17, where he says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. This idea that when we step, doesn't just come in and clean up our old selves and that we're the same old person with just a fresh coat of paint. No, he transforms us into something 100% completely brand spanking new. And two weeks ago, when we kicked off this series, we talked doing things our own way instead of God's way will ultimately get us stuck in this vicious cycle of, of sin and regret and sin and regret and sin and regret and over and over and over until eventually it will lead to our death and to destruction. 
that, that if we refuse to, if we refuse to let go, it well for us in the long run. But when we step into repentance, when we do let go, when we do turn away, when we do push that old way of life behind that, that we can step into the freedom and the fullness of condemnation and conviction and how the purpose of the Holy Spirit, the reason that God sent us the Holy Spirit is so that that it would convict us of the areas in our lives that are not in line with God and his word so that we can get back on the right course toward living the life and, and becoming the person that God has called us to be, remember? And we learned that the devil condemns us by bringing up the old way of our past but that the Holy Spirit convicts us by pointing us to our future and who we can become because of the work of part one of kind of a two-part message. So if you're here this week, be sure to get here next week so you'll get part two of this. But so over the next couple weeks, we're gonna talk about the difference between religion and relationship or might make you think of like, like that word has certain connotations that come along with it. Maybe when I say the word religion, maybe you think of like a church with a big steeple. You think of religion, maybe you think about singing out of a hymnal book, or maybe someone that wears a, a, a shirt and tie and a suit to church, or maybe like, like a long skirt and ink or cuss and doesn't hang around with those kind of people. Maybe you think about someone who wears a cross on a chain around their neck. Maybe it's just someone who reads their Bible and prays every day. Maybe it's somebody you've been to where there's been a street preacher on the corner shouting into a megaphone and and condemning sinners to hell. Maybe you think about maybe world religions around the globe. Maybe you think Muslims gathered in a mosque, all kneeling prostrate on a prayer rug, praying in unison together. Maybe you think about Buddhist monks operating in their dated prayers and sticking them in the cracks between the stones. No matter what you think about, whenever we hear the word religion, I can almost guarantee that every single person, what comes to mind is a has been set somewhere along the way. And the question that arises when we talk about religion is if it's based on rules, then what rules are right? What rules are right? Now, I think about the fact that in 2009, 15 years, it's the 15 best years of my life, and she reminds me of that every single day. How good I have it. Well, 16 years together, 15 years of marriage. And when, when, we, when we got married, you know, I, I walked into it, saying, you know, this is gonna be easy. <laughs> Wrong. How many of you know there's, there's unwritten rules and expectations when it comes to marriage, right? Like, like before you all of a sudden, here they are, right? That's why you need to get to couple to couple because we're going to help you to, to manage and navigate all of those unwritten rules and expectations in your relationship. And the greatest thing about couple to couple, I mean, it is an absolute blast. There's so much fun that you can make it to, but the greatest thing about couple to couple is you sit in a room with a bunch of other married couples and you realize we're not as messed up as we thought we were. (laughs) But a, a boost to the ego sometimes. But I can remember, um, 
getting into the marriage relationship and, and starting my marriage with Sarah. And it wasn't long after that, that this is arguably like to this, the biggest fight that we've ever had is over the correct way to fold a washcloth. And immediately when I say that, the majority of the women in the room are going, of course there's a correct way to fold the washcloth. And the majority of the men in the room are going, what's a washcloth? <laughs> but here I was, newlywed, just trying to serve my wife, just trying to be like Jesus. And I thought, I'm doing a good thing. I'm going to have all the towels there, like all the laundry done, and she comes home. And, and, because I have folded the washcloths incorrectly. And so I was like, well, if this is the hill that we're going to die on, let's just do it right now. And I'm like rolling up my sleeves, like, let's get ready. Now, in case you're going to fold it in half and in half, you take a bigger square and you make it a smaller square. But no, Sarah wanted me to fold it in half and in half folding it in half and then in half, I want you to fold it in half and then in half. And I just, it's the stripe. Do you fold with the stripe? I don't know. I just fold it in half and in half. And I'm just like, here, honey, at least it's folded. I'm doing 15 years of marriage. She's learned to, to just appreciate the fact that I've made an attempt. But before the, the washcloths get put away, if it's the cabinet and looks, can you believe the pastor of Christ? His washcloths are folded wrong. Like someone going to care. But at no point in any of that have I ever questioned. Longevity of our relationship was based on like my ability to fold a washcloth correctly. See, the truth is difficult for me to figure out the new way of going about it. And it would be crazy to think that Sarah would choose whether or not she's going to love me based on my laundry skills, right? Well, view things. That's how a lot of people look at, that's how a lot of people look at their relationship with Christ, this kind of tension because of something that, that a very well-meaning pastor or Sunday school teacher or elder or, or tension there. It's, it's this idea that I need to check off all the boxes in order to make it, when we, when we can't check off all the boxes or when we mess up checking off all the boxes, then not only will we not be loved by God, but we'll end up being punished by him as well. And we buy into this lie that God on top of our head every time that we make a mistake. But you know that there's people that live like that. Maybe you're in this room today. Maybe you're watching online. This is an incredibly important message. And I'm believing way of life any longer there's this group in the New Testament that we get introduced to pretty heavily in the Gospels, and they're known as the Pharisees. And the Pharisees, they came to be known during a time in Israel's history when the liberal lives. And so um, there was a man by the name of Ezra. Maybe you recognize his, his name. The order by remaining true to the faith and, and choosing to protect the law and, and to separate themselves from others who chose to defile the law of God. And, and over time, 
these protectors of the Mosaic law. And maybe you're familiar with the Mosaic law in the form of the Ten Commandments. Maybe you've heard of those, the, the Ten Commandments. But when we, when we look at the whole of the law or, or the, the Torah, which is the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, it's, it's got several dispensations of the commands of God, things that he told the people of Israel to be sure and do, things that he told the people of Israel. Jesus sums them up like this. He says, love, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. He sums them all up in those two phrases, but in the entirety of the thing you to give those commands and place those rules on the people is because the people kept living in such a way that they would turn best life possible because he had their best interest at heart. And yet we see throughout the course of the Old Testament that over and over and over, God ends and the people of Israel break them. And that's ultimately why Jesus had to come on the scene because we were incapable of fulfilling because it constantly wants to live in opposition to what God has for us. And so these Pharisees rose to power. Other commands in the first five books of the Old Testament, and then they would even place other, uh, eventually when we get to Jesus' time, they were even placing other man-made stipulations And in Jesus' day, they considered themselves to be the religious leaders. There was approximately 6,000 of these guys at Jesus' time, and they were primarily middle-class businessmen. And the name that they had taken on, that they separated themselves, they wanted to be seen as, as, as different than everyone. Leverage their religious piety in order to promote themselves and their own material gain. So what started back at Ezra as a never meant to be, instead of protecting and preserving God's law, man, through the Pharisees, began to use God's law of a way of self-promotion. And Jesus, he dealt with the Pharisees time and time again. And in Matthew 23, he's just had enough through 12 says this, then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. For they don't practice what they teach. Verse four, they crush do us for show. On their arms, they wear extra wide prayer boxes with scripture verses inside and they wear robes with extra long tassels. And they love to sit at the head table and banquets and in seats of honor in the synagogues. They love to receive respect for one teacher. And all of you are equal as brothers and sisters. And don't address anyone here on earth as father, for only God in heaven is your father. Verse 10. And don't let anyone call you teacher, for you have only one teacher, servant. But those who exalt themselves will be humbled And those who humble themselves will be exalted. And while we don't have time for it today, I would encourage you to issue several woes or warnings to the Pharisees. And and it's actually um, in contrast with the Beatitudes from his Sermon on the Mount. In contrast, it's in contradiction to what he taught in the Beatitudes 
I wish we had time for it, but, but we just don't. We've got to continue moving. So I hope that, that you'll do that. It's really, really interesting to see how those line up in the way that Jesus is. Is three false concepts of religion today is because guess what? Regardless of what you see when you, uh, or when you, that's what we see. We see religion when we look in the mirror because just because of who we are as human beings and expectations that we have for how we should live and, and really for how everyone else should live. And that's really where I do is if we're going to, if we're going to live the way of a Pharisee in me, so we've got to search our own hearts. And so we're going to look at our own lives through these first 12 verses of Matthew chapter 23 by taking a look at these. The Pharisees had a false concept of righteousness. They had a false concept of righteousness. Verses two and three, it said that they had placed themselves as official interpreters of the law of Moses, live according to the law that they promote, but don't do it like they do. An outward conformity to the law. Like they would do things like it, it, it even came down to the way they divided up the spices that were in their cupboards. Outward conformity to the law, but there was a lack of an inward commitment to it. They hadn't experienced a change of heart. We go back to, to the Old Testament and to First uh, Samuel when, when David is being anointed as king and, and all of the sons of Jesse are coming before the prophet Samuel and Samuel's saying, surely it's this. And they get to this scrawny little shepherd boy and Samuel's like, really? And God says, man looks at the outward appearance, but I look at the heart. God's not concerned with our outward behavior, our outward uh, appearances. His side will take care of itself. And that's why Jesus, he, he, told, he told the Pharisees, he said, you're like whitewashed tombs and decay and stink. They had a false concept of righteousness. I'm gonna check all the boxes. I'm gonna do everything down to the letter of the law and then some, because that's what makes me good. Nope. It's a heart issue. It's a heart issue, ministry. At a false concept of ministry, I know what you might be thinking, like, wait a minute, ministry? No, if, if you're a believer, you've been called to be a minister. You've got family, you've got friends, you've got coworkers. You may not be up here on this stage. Are a minister. If you are a believer, you are a minister. And the, the, the Pharisees, they had a false concept of ministry. What they had done is they had stacked the deck so that the rules were in their favor. And in turn, they had placed unnecessary, insufferable, and to point out all the ways that everybody else fell short. You need to be doing this, and you need to be doing this, and you need to be doing this. And it was just too much. They weren't trying to help people. They were trying to squash people. Verse four says, they crush people with unbearable religious demands. And my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. See, the Pharisees are trying to push us down. Jesus, he's trying to lift us up. The Pharisees are trying to see how they can make it more difficult. Jesus is seeing how he can make it easier for us to operate. They had a false concept of righteousness. They had a false concept of ministry. Of man, rather than seeking after the approval of God. They wore phylacteries. 
which is just a really fancy way of, of, of saying there, there were these little, little leather pouches or boxes that they would wear strapped to their foreheads and strapped to their arms. It was a, it was a literal obedience to Deuteronomy, but, but it, it, was, it was on the outside only. It hadn't penetrated to their core. It was all just for show. They had larger tassels sewn on to their robes. It, look at me, it, it brought attention to them. Ooh, look at him. He's got a bigger tassel than everybody else. Yep, the hem of their garment brought attention. The hem of Jesus's garment brought healing. I felt power leave when somebody touched me. The woman with the issue of blood, she snuck up behind him. It, it wasn't out in the open. It was in the crowd. She went her anytime they were around the, 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 the people. They were, they were in the tabernacle. They were, they were with the community. They would hurry and they would rush to the best seats in the house because after all, that's what they deserved. They wanted titles so as to be seen as better than the people around them. They longed to be called rabbi. They expected it. Anything else. They had these titles because it, it elevated them above the common folk. They wanted to be these kinds of people because they were in it for themselves because they had a, a false concept of greatness. And Jesus said it himself in Matthew 23, 11 and 12, there at the end of our passage. He said that the greatest among us must be a servant. That those who exalt themselves would be humbled, but those who humble, maybe if you, if you look at your life close enough and, and you look at it through the lens of those three concepts that Jesus points out. Maybe you, maybe you find that pharisaical spirit inside of you. But the good news is there's hope for you today. If you've lived under the guise of the pharisaical spirit, if that's something we talked about this just a little bit that last week, and I told you that I'd be bringing it back out this week. And, and uh, uh, Romans 5, um, starting with verse 6, Paul says this. He says, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we've been made right in God's ship with God, was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God declared war on him because he wanted us to live a certain way in accordance with the law and his standard, but we didn't, we couldn't. We turned our back on him. We became his enemy. Because of our sin, the fact that we were incapable of with God and we were worthy and deserving of death, but through the sacrifice of Jesus, the word there in, in Romans is actually through the atonement of the lamb so that we can be called his friends. Think about it. We chose to be his enemy. 
We're the ones that turned our back on him. It should have been us that had to do something to reconcile, but he sent his son to reconcile us for him. It wasn't any, anything to have you. And he sent his one and only son so that we could be atoned under the blood of the sacrificial lamb, that we could be in right relationship with our heavenly father, that we could be called his friends. Think about the worlds were created wants to be your friend. He wants to be our friend. And a defining characteristic of friendship is simply this. It's a common bond or interest. Think about it. You're friends with people who like it in the same things. You share stuff in common. And God said, I'm calling you friend because we have something in common. And that is you and I, we both want to live, want you to live. The thing that we have for God is that he wants, uh, that, that we have in our friendship with God is that he wants us to choose to live in accordance with his word. And we step into a relationship with Jesus Christ. When we do that, what we're saying is, God, I'm choosing to live according to your word. And where we fall short, Jesus steps in through the blood of the atoning lamb of God. So the difference between, it's following the rules, so God will love me. Religion is following the rules, so God will love me. But relationship is following the rules because God loves me. God loves me. Our relationship with God should cause us to want to be better, to live his way because simply put, it's the best way for us to live. even when we miss the mark and we don't do things his way, he still loves us. That's related. It's simply given. Don't hear what I'm not saying. This is not a free pass to just go and sin and just live however we want to. Yes, there's grace. But our relationship with Christ should call than that old Whether or not we're capable of that doesn't place any bearing on whether or not God loves us. His love isn't earned, it's simply given. And it's given freely. And the greatest thing that, it's that simple. The greatest thing that we can do to respond to his love is to choose to live in accordance with his word. And that begins for everybody by stepping into a relationship Jesus, putting our faith, our hope to you today. Maybe for some time you've been living under the guise of religion, but today you want to step into a relationship with Jesus. It's not about the rules, it's about his love for us. If that's you and you're a sinner in need of a savior, but today if you'd like to step out of religion and step into a relationship with Jesus, you just make that known by just putting up your hand just really quick, just to identify yourself. Anybody else? 
Just put it up and put it right back down. That's you, could we just without you? I believe that Christ died in my place, making a way for us to have a relationship. And I choose to follow Jesus and his way for the rest of my life. Thank you for joining us. We hope you were inspired by the message. For more information, visit www.thechristwalk.com.